0: Live from the apocalypse, this <laughs> is State of the Game. State of the Game, if you've never heard before, is not a place where dreams come true. It's a place where, <laughs> where dreams stay dreams. Dreaming <laughs> in this piece. I am your host, uh, Dano. I am an asshole, and the people who love me are tough people. They're good. Good folks for going through it. Um... <laughs> But if you think I'm an asshole, wait till you see my co-host or listen to my co-host. We're talking about K Diggy. This is a gentleman who is, he is the equalizer, but for proving that people aren't woke. If if you claim to be woke, he keeps files on you like J. Edgar Hoover. (laughs) He brings the files to your associates and he's like, you think he's woke? These are his burner accounts. They're linked to his computer. Open them in the manila folder. I've printed them out. So, a dangerous individual. But together, we are the Shaq and Kobe of whatever the heck this is. Uh, 76 <laughs> episodes in. Welcome to the evening, KD. Mm. <laughs> Today, this is important. I'm excited, you know we can only we can only lyrically murder so many people, right is this there's <laughs> an end to this uh, we we're going not just pop, we're going big voices right yeah we we've got three albums by people with pipes uh, so we're talking about. Star Crossed uh, by Casey Musgraves. We're talking about Black Acid Soul by Lady <laughs> Blackbird. Uh, and we're talking about everybody's favorite discovery. We're talking about Yebba Dawn. So this is great. I enjoyed this uh, greatly different, different chamber in the state yeah. of and there's a lot of people there's a lot of rappers that you love that are listening to pop music absolutely because there's a lot of rap dads Uh, it was was talking to Alaska Adams legend of the New York City hip-hop scene and he was saying in his car he doesn't get control of the car music at all because his his listening is so underground it's just not you can't put (laughs) right so it's either the kind of glitzy pop that like you know uh, a preteen girl would listen to right taylor swift etc yeah. or it is new wave 80s music and that's just that all the time so i think there's a lot of people in that situation you know and i think there cuz you can't really you can't play a lot of meek mill in the car with kids no. right is that fair
1: I mean, the 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 eye-opening moment for me was a couple years ago. Kevin Gates went on an interview and talked about how he doesn't really listen to rap. He only he listens to Taylor Swift more than he listens to other rappers.
0: Yep. Yep. No, that's I mean, it's happening. So people will listen to this because they are interested in Mm -hmm. in these pop pop voices. So the first point of clarification, this is something I've been thinking about, (laughs) is that we need to restructure re-inhabit the word diva for a minute diva is one of those words that we chewed up and made into an insult which we do that a lot good a good word that meant a thing and (laughs) became an Uh, insult
2: so
0: a diva is someone who is Like a lot, basically, right? You know, we're talking about a big presence, a big personality, a lot Mm -hmm. to deal with, but it pays off in space, right? Uh,
1: Right, it's backed up by talent.
0: So most people think Whitney Houston, uh, Mariah Carey, right? You, You think of these, you go back to Billie Holiday, all that. Let me give you a male... Diva, comp. You ready for this?
1: Mm, let's hear it. Diva, let's hear it.
0: William Shatner is a great diva
1: example. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to go in that direction, um, but
0: <laughs> everybody who's ever worked in William Shatner has the same story, has the same take. Like, what an a hole that guy was! <laughs> what a dink he was! Such uh, he was. It was so. You know, yeah. Uh, But when the camera was on, there was nothing like it, right? Mm -hmm. So like, this is what the Elton John biopic is about, right? Like, so this is what it is. And it pays off. So it's good, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, So Diana Ross was the diva, you know? But along the way, we took that word and we were like, we're tired of you selling so many records Mariah Carey you've got mental issues we're going to laugh at you. okay yeah. i mean score one for the internet um mm-hmm. it's it, it got warped and twisted uh so i think these are there's some real diva moments on these albums
1: yeah i, w- I would agree yeah and i i always interpreted diva as being you know someone as I said someone who has high demands yes but you know they're backed by talent they're backed by the talent nope. and they they have the the other key thing is I always perceive the diva as having more autonomy than other people than other I guess artists or singers or whatever in their situation. So that's what was resented yep. about them was the autonomy that the diva had that other singers didn't have.
0: There's a really cool moment. One of my favorite recent movies, uh, being like an old head, you know, grew up on black and white movies. That that movie, My Week with Marilyn. You remember this movie? Okay, Michelle yeah, I've, I've
1: never it. saw it, but I do know. I do know what movie you're talking about. Yeah.
0: So the movie is about Laurence Olivier who's like a very proper actor and was very critical of a lot of other actors directing Marilyn Monroe and really just kind of hating it and a whole thing happening. But there's a point at the end of the movie where Laurence Olivier is in the editing bay by himself and somebody comes in talks to him and he just goes "The camera just loves her. Like there's just nothing like and it really kind of captures Mm -hmm. the magic of Marilyn Monroe like you can shit on Marilyn Monroe all you want to you can say not a proper actress just sexy until you watch the movies right when you watch the movies you cannot deny there's something about her that is like nothing else
2: Mm -hmm.
0: she inhabits that spotlight and and that's a diva thing too right mm-hmm. you have to be able to fill that spotlight you have mm-hmm. to be enough for that
1: absolutely and you have to know that you so the divas fills that spotlight and they know that they fill the spotlight they have the awareness
0: yep. of the- yeah and if you don't want that you have to f- steer away you know what I mean be like nope I'm not built for that lane. I'm going over here. Yeah, you.
1: Yeah. Know, Cause there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that comes with it. You know, a lot of drawbacks.
0: Yeah. No kidding. So it's, um, but yeah, there's different levels of, of embracing it within these three albums, I think. Uh, which, which no. is really cool to see too. So what, what do you want to start with? What are you, what are you interested in talking about first? Uh, let's start. Let's start with the Yeba. Mm. Yeba, Dawn. Yes. Um, uh, it, it incredible, impeccable timing, right? By her, mm-hmm. uh, to, in short succession, be on this Drake album, be one of the real high points on the Drake album.
1: Absolutely. Um, uh,
0: and then drop that like tiny desk concert and then the album comes. boom boom
1: yeah very tight execution
0: sorry go ahead
1: I was going to say yeah very tight execution
0: yes so this is like a debut album for for Yeba debut albums Mm -hmm. have a certain a different mission in my opinion right there's a difference between the mission that Yeba had on Dawn and the mission that Casey Musgraves has on Starcrossed. Agreed. So, Yeba's got to establish who Yeba is and what Yeba sounds like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Probably going to keep saying Yeba, yeah, it's just fun. Um, <laughs> but so, developing who, what your personality is, right? Um, mm-hmm. What is the most Yeba song on this album? I mean, I'm not too
1: f- familiar with Yebba, uh, but the ones, the songs that I think she's really in her element was, was Boomerang.
0: Boomerang. Oh! That, I, my notes on that, catchy, up-tempo. I like how she throws her voice in different directions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably Boomerang and Dawn, the, the title track.
0: So, yes, I think there's stuff that that Yeba needs to avoid, right? So in mm-hmm. that category, for me, there's a song called Stand uh, where she says, it, well, I, I said Stand is where this really takes on Dido vibes. Uh, the clean pop voice songs over hip-hop production. The, the knock that I have with Dido is that Dido is is it just this very specific sound, right? Like that Stan came out, Dido's album dropped, everybody listened to it and it sounded exactly like what you get on Stan. The whole, Mm -hmm. every song. Um, And it, it was because her voice was so good in that kind of picture. Right. Within that framework that they never switched framework.
1: Yeah, it's it really, it really goes to the sculptor. Uh, but sculptor has developed over time, but I think with Dido, it's, as I said, it's, if you know you sound, like they, they have a specific vision of their voice and what their voice sounds good on. Mm-hmm. So they, they go out and they execute that vision.
0: Yeah, I mean, is there a difference between the sculptor who's always working within the same tones but working in different directions, Mm -hmm. and someone who's like got a great left hook so they're always throwing
1: it? Yeah, and the sculpt and the sculptor takes time. Like the sculpt, you. That's Mm -hmm. why I kind of stopped myself because the sculptor, you can't be a sculptor on, on your first album. Right.
0: Right. Right. No, I'm with you. So, but, but I think she avoids a lot of the Dido vibes uh, in pockets here, right? Uh, I really like the drums on "Far Away." Her voice, you know, really goes up. Rocky's verse is is odd, but it works.
1: <laughs>
0: There's some like yabba dabba do nonsense going on in his verse, but
1: <laughs> whatever. he does his thing. You know, he does his Yay! own thing.
0: Does his deal? But how many years is a very interesting first song? Uh great mm-hmm. hi-hats, drums are good, and it's very whispery. I was like, it sounds like a chant, but with LP drums behind it. Yeah. Um,
1: and we yeah. do have to mention that this 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 whole uh album was produced by Mark Bronson.
0: Oh, it's
1: good. Um, good deal. I, I think she did. She may have produced one of the tracks solo, but he was the executive producer uh, of the album and did most of, or helped do do most of the production on the album. For,
0: that makes sense. Yeah, yeah Ronson. Yeah. Ronson's got a good ear for big pop sounds, obviously, right? These mm-hmm. big pop sounds, but also letting people fill in those sounds how they want to. -hmm. Right. Ronson's involvement with like uh, Action Bronson's Mr. Wonderful. Right. Like he, that's a more pop album than Bronson's ever done, but it's not crazy. It doesn't sound like something he wouldn't do. Right. Ronson doesn't make you do an album you don't want to do. Right. He seems to find the most pop instinct in you and pull it out.
1: Yeah. I would I would agree, yeah. So and, I, I, yeah, that works. I mean, look at what he did with Amy Amy Winehouse, right? Right. And and what I like, what when going through the three albums, like Yeba for me stood out uh, as you know the big voice. I know that the theme is big voices,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
1: Yeba she she stood out because she. Because Mark Ronson did her, her whole album, she stood out to me as the type uh, of artist, or I should say, the lane, the, the lane of a singer where they have their first album done by a prominent producer. Right. And thus there, you know, what we're hearing maybe not, is not necessarily the purest version of Yeba, but it is Mark Ronson's version of Yeba.
0: Right, and so to put it on the table, as I've gotten older, I've gotten smarter as a listener, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm very old, so I, <laughs> but like, you start to realize you're like, okay, this debut album by Yeba Dawn is not the album of the year. It's not even going to make my albums.
1: Right, great. Right. Right.
0: And some people been saying it's good. You know, there's other people out there. Like, the thing is, Yeba doesn't want this to be her best album. She wants Mm -hmm. to build, right? I want the same thing. So, I'm glad this is not some rocket ship because how would she follow? Absolutely. There's a lot here to build on, I
1: think. Yeah. Yeah, and she she didn't chase hits. Uh, I think... What she wanted to do with this first album, and you know the Drake the Drake feature that she had on CLB, uh, she wanted to establish the talent. Uh, I, I think the the voice and the talent is undeniable. Uh, I mean, it's just like sh- her vocal and technical ability is. I mean, very very good.
0: Yep. No, I would say the only is that that song "Love Came Down," I said seems like a pop song, one that could have been done by any of the pop ladies. It didn't do much for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But to answer my own question, or from earlier, to me, the most Yeba song on this album is October Mm -hmm. Um, Scott. It's like a sea shanty bounce to the start of it. And then it gets very classically pretty. Great writing. Uh, She said like on the mantle right by my cigarettes that I smoke, since you left because you said you had to fly, just really good specific details in there. Uh, the draw here is much more than just her voice.
1: Right, yes. She's, she's got a solid pen as well, and there's going there's room for growth. She's shown just enough of her pen game that there's room for growth and development in that area, which is actually pretty exciting as well.
0: Positioning a great voice is the title of this thing. The first time I thought about how a great voice was positioned, right? This is weird. This is a weird one. But was listening to Tom Waits when I first got into Tom Waits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all my poet friends were always telling me to listen to Tom Waits. I finally did. And I was really struck because I was like, Wow, he's got this gravelly bluesy voice. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need all this intensely experimental jazz accompaniment or like these deeply poetic lyrics. He doesn't need this. He could just growl a cool phrase and kill it, right? right. Um, and it. I'll be thinking, well, but the the thing that keeps you coming back time after time is that there's so much surrounding that voice, right? There's so many swirling elements, challenging the voice, you know? Um, so that's cool.
1: Right, I mean, you could look at like, I, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned Dido because the first singer that came to my mind when I heard Yeba was Adele.
0: Oh, and
1: okay. And Adele, like, if you heard 19, uh, I mean, 19 was a good start, but 21 was really, when she got in that rocket ship sure. in. Yeah, that's fair. Turned into the biggest, biggest uh, artist, probably the biggest artist on earth, a music artist. Um,
0: he had that title for a bit. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, yeah. you know, like, she, if she drops an album this year, which is rumored, it will go, it will go platinum the first week. And only she's the only artist in the world that could do that right now. But nonetheless, the point I was trying to make is I mean, that
0: Beyonce could do that right
1: now. Not, not, I, I love Beyonce, but not like, not like Adele. Like you'll have, you'll have 70 and 80 year olds going out to Walmart buying Adele CDs.
0: Okay. Well, that's <laughs> but, um, yeah.
1: and that's just the nature that that's who, that's who she is. But nonetheless, what I was just say, to kind of tie into your point. 21 is where we started getting those those big pop pop songs with the huge arrangements and really the the arrangements that challenge her voice. Yep.
0: Yeah. No, you it's it's you you've got to have moving parts and as we talked about it like a TV show, like B plot lines, right? You got to yeah, have yeah. your A plot line, your B plot line. You got to have things moving or, or people are going to get bored. Yeah. Uh, you know, no matter how pretty your voice is. So and that's the cool part about this album. It has lots of different interesting things on here. Look at the guests, right? The guests are unexpected. You know, Louis Bag is an awesome song.
1: Yeah. I mean, yes.
0: Uh, and Smino is such a perfect guest for her. Absolutely. Uh, Yeba's voice can hook into a bounce uh, and that takes her to the ne- next level. That's where she furthers herself from, you know, Dido or anybody else. So whenever she goes all big voice Celine Dion, things get less interesting. I like her voice moving and bouncing. You know, I'd like I'd like to see the relationship with Smino continue and grow. I think they make a lot of sense together. Certainly more sense than Aesop Rock.
1: Yeah, I, I think with, with Yebo, I think the... It's like you're saying with Mark Bronson, you get Mark Bronson, he gives them space, he gives the singer space to be themselves. But at the same time, there was not enough there was not enough tension in the musical arrangements for me. There was nothing that really, you know, kind of challenged her voice or kept, kept me like, uh, I guess on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, that I think that her, her album was missing tension. What
0: was, oh, I had a, I had a note on this album. Uh, I was going to, I'd like to see if you agree with me here. Uh, I said, uh, so the la- the second to last song, right? Distance. Uh, yes. My note is it's hard to establish your identity in your debut, and she doesn't get all the way there. But distance will be in the DNA of that identity.
1: Agreed. Oh, God,
0: and then I, the next note is, paranoia purple should not have been on this.
1: She date. shouldn't have closed that.
0: Distance should she have shouldn't been.
1: have closed the album with Paranoia Purple. I thought Distance was, I mean, it's, it's so funny that we, that was my standout for her. Uh, Distance should close the album. Yeah. And I, I thought that that was the one, that was the arrangement that had just enough musical energy to keep me intrigued. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, not only was the arrangement good, but also her voice her voice was great. The lyrics were a little bit more, more in the direction of the pop pop oriented that she, mm-hmm. she'll she probably have to evolve to. Um, so I would have loved if she just had ended the album with that and left people wanting
0: more. And to be fair, whenever we're talking about popular albums that, mm-hmm. you know, big albums, If Mark Ronson's doing your album, it's big. If you just trade guests, you're big. Um, so I don't want to see debate about whether Yeva's big. Like, this is supposed to be a big record. Same with the Casey Musgraves. We're going to be picking apart the songs on that and the selections on that. Yep, it's not because we are uh nitpicky, (laughs) it's because when you're releasing a big pop album, there's a lot. Of chefs in the kitchen yeah there's a lot, a lot of, of hands in the pot, in there, right there's a lot of stuff that gets you know tacked on
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, and if you're if you're i think Yaba if you have the potential, Yeba has the potential to be uh an important artist in the scene, mm-hmm. so yes we're going to. We're going to critique you from a strategic level because a lot, of, you know, a lot of being successful is not only the talent, obviously, but it's also the strategies and the decisions and the moves that you make that determine how long, how long your career is. Probably much more so than, than your, your raw talent, to be quite honest.
0: Right, and the smart move on here is that this album is only 12 songs. Mm-hmm. She didn't let them con her into dropping a 19-song, 22-song album. No. Uh, because honestly, like I said, you're not there yet. Like, uh, you know, it's rare that you get a perfect, perfectly, like, sequenced album that is long pop album. Like, sometimes I might be intro.
1: Yeah. Right? I mean, this,
0: that, that, sorry, it's top five, right? That hit top five on the charts and it is yeah. perfect. Like in terms of sequencing and all that mm-hmm. and that's because Sims has been around for years, years releasing Ilshin.
1: Yeah. And I was going to say her,
0: her, this album is
1: 38 minutes and 48 seconds.
0: Right. Right. And then
1: Adele's like, I, I looked at Adele's cause that's, and all of Adele's like 19 was 43 minutes and then sense. 21 was about 48 minutes so yeah you know if if you if you want to keep it you you want to keep it in that range you, we don't want one hour or two or hour and a half long uh some albums
0: yep no that's that's true no it it yeah there she did try with this album to give us different looks, right? Louis Bag, October Sky, totally different songs, right? Right. Uh, you know, Distance and you know Boomerang, totally different songs, right? Uh, but it didn't come together as a whole experience. Does that make does that sum it up uh, a little
1: bit? I I, I will yeah I w- I would agree I think it was more how do I say it? like the the album like the structure of the album wasn't necessarily the best to me but what I'll say is the album was a good showcase for her talent right so it, it's it's undeniable like I think you want to if you're a, if you're a pop singer. You want to leave the listener after you want to leave them with the impression, like after they've heard your first album, that this person has talent, right? And if if you if, if the listener leaves with that with that uh, impression, then you it's been a success.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's and there's a lot of pop people who do are do don't have interest in making great albums, right? They. Did live off the singles money, you know, shout yeah. out to Punk Malone. But like, <laughs> he, um, it's clear Yeba's not like that. Right. Because if she was, she would have loaded this down. She would have oh, had man. 19 tracks, tons of big name features. There's bigger names than Smino to be gotten.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, if you if you can get a feature on a Drake album, I shouldn't say feature, if you can get an interlude, that, that means that the industry has uh, designated you as someone who could be potentially important, i.e. make everyone a lot of money.
0: Yep. so that's, so she's clearly interested in crafting her own albums and mm-hmm. that's great. And I'm glad that she has that instinct. The next move is to sharpen it up, right? cut the songs that don't make sense and link the songs that are good right if you've got a bunch of songs if you've got like five different kinds of songs on this album yeah and you like all the five different songs and you've got to find the connective tissue you've got to find what they mean together
1: I, for me i think that she could really i think she could really push her voice uh uh, she i don't think that this album like the arrangements you know gave her space for her to sing and whatnot and show off like her technical ability but i think her next album really needs to push her voice and show how far like it's like if you have a ferrari Mm -hmm. obviously we know the ferrari can go 100 but you don't get you don't get a ferrari to go 100 miles you go you push it to go you get it to see you know how fast it can go you're trying to get up to the 150s you know what i mean the 160s and i and i think her voice can really if it was pushed could really get to that high that high
0: level i'm with you no it, it, it's so are you the the things that you don't like about this album are they ronson or are they her or are they both? that's the issue when you have as I said,
1: with uh, you know the one producer producing a debut, the debut album of a singer, the issue that you can have is that you are you're a vision of that producer. The album, your your album is how do I say this? Your album is what Mark Ronson thinks your the best version of you is. Yes. Yep. 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 And you can, you can become trapped in that. Like you look at all of the singers, like I wrote down like Aaliyah. I mean, Aaliyah was pretty much Timberland's muse. Or, so yeah, Missy she, Missy at, at some
0: point.
1: Yep. Missy, right. Missy at some point as well. Right. Uh, I look at Amory, but the, the number one example I look at is Khalees. Uh, oh, that's a good point. And you know it's very hard once you're known for that type of sound and that type of vision, it's very hard to develop your career out of that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so that's that's what I would say. I I don't think necessarily that Ronson. I, I think he did a good job. I think of using his name to establish her and give her credibility, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily think he was the right producer for her voice
0: yeah no and, and and it's hard because they they step into that room and they're not right
1: right exactly yep
0: so and you know we've seen this unfold to different degrees with different pop stars as, as you mentioned and you want to step in there with somebody you can kind of freely exchange with and build with and Uh, I don't know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So, I don't know, you're right. There may be other producers out there for her. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: And a blend, I mean, Adele, to go back to Adele, Adele had a blend of producers. Yep. Uh, And I I think that that would be, it gives you different perspectives and give different angles on the voice. Uh, And when I say the voice, I mean Yeba's voice. So I think that that would be her next, her next move would be her next album. Should be multiple producers, not just Mr. Ronson.
0: But there's promising stuff with her voice, not just how big it can go, yeah. but With the bounce it can carry, right? That it can yeah. move at a at a at a faster clip if it needs to, right? Yeah. Um, she can work over different kinds of production. The writing is good. She can write when she's in her zone. Yeah. Um, she needs to stay in the space of making her stuff unique, mm-hmm. making it so it's not like anything else on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. I, th- I think there's promising stuff here. Uh, you know, so what should, we, what should we do next? We're, we're moving up the charts here. Ooh. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you. I'll let you. You can go. What do you think we should?
0: All right. I guess I'll go "Black Acid Soul" mm-hmm. uh, by Lady Blackbird. I got to slip one of these in that, that, that's like, yeah, you know, we got the two pop giants and Lady Blackbird. I think it's another debut uh, album. This is a
1: debut. A debut.
0: Yeah, I think it's a debut. Wow. album. Uh, wow. And it's the best sequenced of the three, uh, in my opinion. Um. Uh, my gosh, man! <laughs> yeah, bro.
1: I was not. I was not expecting this to be a debut album. That wow, that is
0: 2021 is heat. It is all heat. You know, every genre, heat. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about everything else. <laughs> rock and roll. Um, oh yeah, we'll talk. About that. But yeah. No, Lady Blackbird. What were your initial impressions listening to this? Wow, it's.
1: Uh, whew. I mean, her her voice is. Wow, well, I mean, I yeah, I mean the highly I, anticipated I, debut album. Yeah, I'm really at a loss for words because her. I mean, her voice is is. Uh, I mean, uh, I think it's clear of the three singers that were we're talking about tonight. She has the strongest voice uh, uh, without a doubt in my mind. Um, I, I I just thought that this was probably the most cohesive album of the three. Uh, and I just, I, I felt like this was a very standout, incre- I wanna say incredible album actually.
0: I, it's my favorite jazz album of the year. We'll stop. Yeah, uh, but it, I would say the um, so what make what her voice. If I had to describe what I love about her voice,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, the it, it's in boxing. Uh, to go back to boxing, because mm-hmm. we say we care about the best fighters of all time, but we don't care about them as much as we care about our favorite fighters of all time. Right, because watching a boxer who cleanly knocks out everyone isn't that fun the fun boxers are the boxers who you're worried about them and they pull it out Mm -hmm. right and that's what her voice is her voice has so much pain in it and it warbles with this emotion and pain and and you're like, is it gonna fall off? And then it hits this amazing crescendo, you know. Yeah. Um, and so she can go all the way up the mountain, all the way back down the mountain. It's, um, yeah. Is that is that a fair description?
1: I mean, absolutely. I think what I what I noticed is what when I was really listening to it, like the way that they mastered it, her voice is really the, the center focal point of every, of every song on the album. Yep. Uh, and, and, and it's very, it's very clear. Like she's up front, her voice is up front and all the instrumentation is in the background and, right. you, and you can hear that. And so when, you, when you're up, when you're up on the stage, when you're in a spotlight like that, there's no place to hide. So if, if you don't have a strong voice, uh, or if you're not technically strong, singer, we're going to be able to hear hear it. Uh, and and I think, like, like you said, to go back to the boxer analogy, there was not a moment where she didn't she didn't deliver the I guess you could say the knockout punch.
0: Oh yeah, she every time she made you worry, she killed it and mm-hmm. and brought it all the way home. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to read off the band on this to, to give proper acknowledgement here. Mm -hmm. Some of the players on this, as you said, Spotlight is on her. She's the A number one here, but you don't, you can't build a championship team with one person, right? Right. So these are real amazing performances. John, uh, flower, F-L-A-G-H-E-R, uh, double bass, um, D Ron Johnson, Steinway, uh, Baby Grand, uh, Mellotron, Casio Synth, piano, right? Uh, Chris Seafried, electric guitar, acoustic guitar. Uh, Troy, trombone shorty.
1: They had trombone shorty. Wow.
0: Playing I trumpet? I don't know that. Playing trumpet? Yep, yep. I, I so, saw,
1: I went to Newport this year, and trombone shorty was a performer at Newport. But he was—he was obviously on trombone. Uh, I didn't know he could play trumpet, but I'm not well, good. surprised.
0: Doing uh, it. So, like, this wow. is an elite squad that really delivers on this. Yes, uh, everything is beautiful, and like, they step in and take over sometimes, right? It's—it's it's amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have that when you have the musical talent that she has behind her and that's that's the thing about jazz jazz is a little bit more organic so what 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 i mean by that is the jazz artists understand chemistry right. they understand where each of them need to be in order for the track to sound the best that it can
0: right and
1: it's not like you know a board or something I'm I'm thinking of like a soundboard where it's like, uh, you know, programmed music. These are live people. Obviously, live people. These are people playing instruments, so you can hear the intelligence in the arrangements, uh, and the and the musical choices that they all make.
0: Choices are huge because this is largely a cover album. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of covers on this, and so. One of the ones that that sticks out is uh, It'll Never Happen Again, right? nine. So this is a cover of a song by Tim Harden. I have no idea who that is. But it fits the loss and longing that this album emotes. So Mm -hmm. when you're doing a covers-heavy album, the songs you choose and how you choose to do them are your power.
1: You said they are your what? Your power. Yeah.
0: That's the power you have to organize yourself. Just because it's not your song doesn't mean it can't mean something important to this album.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the, the song before it, if you look at it, is Lost in Looking, it's track mm-hmm. eight. And then the song after it is Beware the Stranger.
0: Lost in Looking is a Sam Cooke song. Yeah, uh, I've heard so many versions of Lost and Looking, but none like this. It is slow and haunting. Uh, yeah, there's a real sense of kind of insular loneliness. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: and and that and that comes with I think the sequencing. Uh, it's it's yeah. like to tie what you to what you were saying. You know, if you're going to do a, if you're going to have a lot of covers on your album, you need to make sure that you seek that they are sequenced so that they are, they hit, they emotionally hit as hard as they should.
0: Yeah. I mean, Blackbird, which is the first song is a Nina Simone cover,
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm.
0: but it sounds very Billie Holiday in the performance. Yeah. Uh, the strings, the piano, they all give tension. This is like a big smoky jazz ending of the song with her voice hitting the high note and the piano striking hard. It's a real good, like, here we go, let's go.
1: Yeah, And, and jazz artists, because sequencing is so important in jazz sets, they're very sensitive to sequencing and order. So when you have high level jazz artists behind you they will get they will get the sequencing right to make sure everything hits like it should.
0: Such a great point. Uh, that like that yeah jazz is just consumed with a lot of details that other people skip over.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: And, and so they're really interested in what song you pick, how you do it, where it goes and these these players found a real groove around her. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's not that easy. You know, real pain in her voice. Right. Uh, this is a jazz album, full stop, is what I bought. Absolutely. This is someone who really loves this music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that was the yeah. Any any standout songs for you that you were just like, oh, this is
1: uh, I think the the first track, uh, Blackbird, really was was. Uh, that's when I knew when I heard Blackbird, I was like, okay, like, yeah, all this right, yes, yeah, this, this is, is serious. serious. Um, I did love the closer, Black Ass, Black Acid Soul, as well. Um, and then I think I also enjoyed, if I remember correctly, Fix It.
0: Fix it is great um so fix it the piano is really next level on that one Mm -hmm. Uh, it makes just the right room for her voice it's kind of a slow sultry song that you put on in a dark room after a long day uh what my last sentence here is important. without this piano performance i don't think this song is as gripping
1: I think, wait, let me hear, I, I just got to make sure, I think Fix It, I'm pretty sure Fix It, it sounds like it sampled Miles Davis, like sketches of Spain. I, I, it reminded me a lot of Miles Davis, like the, the chords in it. Um, so I, I think you're, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think the piano's really set, set the mood. Yeah, the piano. The piano, uh, obviously, sets the mood for it.
0: And different songs are different in that regard. Mm-hmm. Some songs I have down where I was like, man, without this bass, you know, uh, uh, the Beware of the Stranger is that the bass mm-hmm. really changes how she sings, mm-hmm. impacting on every word now because of how tense the sounds have become. Right. Yeah. The choir aspect really takes things up a notch. But, yeah, the bass kind of, you know, really pushes that song. It's, yeah, it's just really intelligent in terms of everyone on the court. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, Shaq and Kobe, but, like, Derek Fisher's on point, Rick Fox is on point.
1: Robert Oray. You
0: know, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you've got high-level people who know what their job is. Uh,
1: absolutely. And everyone, everyone understands what... That I mean, that's what I love about jazz because, for in order for jazz to work and be effective, everyone's got to understand what the big picture is and where they fit into that that big picture.
0: My favorite run on this mm-hmm. might be four, five, six, seven.
1: The middle, yeah.
0: The ruler of my heart, which that's that's number four, and that's kind of. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote on it that it sounds kind of like a Bonnie Raitt song and how she's delivering it,
2: mm-hmm. her
0: tone, but it's an Irma Thomas cover. So that's interesting. Uh, Nobody's Sweetheart is a jazz standard, right? That just goes back to the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really shows how this album is built around loneliness, right? Her poise and vulnerability. Ooh, this is good feel like sinatra at his most depressing on this song
1: oh yeah what's that what's that album we we hours of the morning
0: is that We hours of the morning yeah sinatra was really great at finding the right songs to put together for the theme Mm -hmm. concept albums with songs that he didn't write (laughs) he was some people call it one of the first people who did concept albums right Mm -hmm. Uh, but he didn't even write this stuff like so he was he was just organizing the songs into what the mood was you're right which like i said that's that's your big power uh if you're putting your voice in the right place collage is such a great song to follow nobody's sweetheart I love Nobody's Sweetheart to Collage. Uh, They feel related but different. Uh, And then Five Feet Tall is so weird. Uh, It's a song that's talking about heroin and sex. Uh, I can't get enough of this song. Um, I wrote I Might Be Tawdry. That might be why. Uh, I have no idea if they wrote that or not, but it's really interesting. the house. Hmm. So, yeah, I just really like that chunk, that middle chunk.
1: Yeah. It's, ve- it's very, I mean, there, there's not much more you can ask for for an album, a strong opener, a closer, and then a solid middle, you know?
0: My big poke at this album is that okay. I think the title track should have been somewhere in the middle of the album. I don't think it should have closed. And I don't think it should be the title track. I think putting acid in the middle of this as the title of it can be confusing for people who know acid jazz, right?
1: Oh, that's a good point.
0: I think this album should be called Beware the Stranger and Beware the Stranger should close
1: So you think, I mean, you think that that acid, I, I think you're right, acid is, okay. Particularly in music, acid has a lot of strong connotations.
0: It has very strong connotations. A lot of people, you know, are, are young and don't give a shit and don't understand, or old and don't give a shit. Like, a lot of people don't know what acid jazz means or is, and so it's fine to call it acid jazz or acid soul. But for people who know acid jazz, I don't know that this proves itself to have that title the song does the song is acid soul black acid right. soul is the right title for that song
1: right. but i don't
0: think the album no does that make sense
1: no it does
0: and you're right the,
1: the 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 album title is that's the usually a person's first interaction uh with the album and will establish their preconceived no- notions of what the album is going to sound like
0: Beware the stranger is a better title to me because this album is so lonely and insular and about mm-hmm. broken relationships and uh, it the songs that they write on it are so uh, sad and gripping yeah. and so it's great that you just call it Beware the Stranger and give them that distance to say like we're scared of people out here you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's my jam, but I I was taken by this album, and I was like, we just got. I I wrote a little blurb on it uh, for the Black Friday stuff, but I was like, we got to take this to state of the game and really talk this thing over because I I think it's one of my favorite albums this year. Uh, it's yeah, it's just a real journey.
1: I I think it's. It's definitely one of the the strongest vocal showcases I've seen all year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's so like the, you, there's a lot of ways you can contrast star crossed and black acid Soul, right? Mm-hmm. Black, so Casey has the knockout punchers voice.
1: Hmm. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: There is never a moment on Starcross where I'm like, "Oh shit, what are we doing?" like right okay all right, like, I would agree with you in that It's like she's got this, you know right um, her voice is is unflappable in that way
1: Yes, um, unflappable. I like that how you said unflappable right
0: Black acid Souls't like that, but Black Acid Soul's a tighter album. Yes she has so much less fat because they're making a jazz album in 2021, right? Yeah. You get to take your time, you know? They do it right. They put it together. It's, you know, how many songs is this? Uh, is it 11, 10? 11. It is 11 eleven. Eleven songs. 11 so songs. 70. So, permanently, like, they got a chance to really carve this thing uh, into the shape they wanted it. Um, yeah, it may be.
1: I don't even think the album. It may be a little bit over thirty minutes long. Right, right. Maybe a little bit under. I can't do math that quickly, but but it's so it, the, I mean, it's tight.
0: Compare it to yebba right? Like I know exactly what Lady Blackbird stands for now. Because
2: mm-hmm.
0: they 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 chose where they wanted to be and what they wanted to do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Makes you wonder if Yemba had had a really well chosen cover on the album, would that have been cool? Would you have been into that? Uh,
1: I mean, everyone wants to start out. Everyone, I, I feel like having the baby picture. Uh, you know, having her as a baby held by her father. I mean, that's the. I mean, that's the go-to out of the debut artist playbook you know, yeah, childhood yeah. pictures. Uh, so I can't fault her for that. No. And I, I think it's more of like, you know, when you're a debut artist, you don't know if you're going to have another shot again. So if you're going to create a piece of work, only one piece of work, at least it has a picture of you and, you know, someone that you really care about
0: and yeah. her father. That's
1: fair. So I, I get it.
0: Yeah, no, and she did this. This is her stuff, so no yeah, in that sense. So, uh, give me your star-crossed feelings. Give me all of it. How how does this thing hit
1: you? Uh, I mean, it was. I've, I've listened to it three times. The first time, it was a little bit overwhelming to me uh, because there's so many different styles, so many different influences. The second time, uh, once I knew where, where like what the sequence is and what every song sounded like, I was able to relax a little bit more, uh, and I was able to see the the higher organization of the whole thing. And then the third one, like I, the third listening by the third listen, I was like, this is really, this is a really great piece of piece of work.
0: Yep. So. I love the title of the movie "The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly." I love the movie too, Uh, so I'm I'm always reframing into the structure of that title. So, to me, this album has like the good, the weird, and the hum. Yeah, it's the weird. It's such a strong set of music, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe my least favorite. organization of that music of any of this good mm. the sequencing the sequencing drives me bonkers on this and but but to to start off and say the first song and the last song are wonderful right
1: yeah and i i, I kind of a little bit was because i was thinking like the sequencing was very important it was very deliberate by her uh, yep. Yep. Apparently it's supposed to be viewed in like three acts.
0: It absolutely drives me bonkers. The title <laughs> track is the first song, and it's it's a scene setter, it has like a dusty Willie Nelson feel. Right. Top bass thump really jumps in part way through. She's really innovative in sneaky ways. I really like it. Yeah. The last song. Gracias Elevita is the most impressive end song on a pop album in 2021. Completely Agreed. Completely out of nowhere. Love how yes, it's mixed. It's mixed so beautifully. It really puts a stamp on how many directions Casey can travel in. There's a guest I wanted on this. Hmm. Remix would be good, Would be great. Caliusius. Oh, I mean... Bring Caliusha in on this thing. You
1: let's should. Go. You should send her a tweet or something. and Say, hey, Cali would. Callie would sound good on this.
0: Caliusha, let's go. I mean, that's to me. Uh, that's, I agree. That's the you throw the remix out there. Um, <laughs> so, but there's the good, the weird, and the huh. So, <laughs> what? So, is- oh, when you say huh, you mean
1: like the song categories, like how you would classify yes, the song? Yes, like,
0: like okay good like oh that's a that's a good pop song right like justify you know just right. a good pop song uh, that's cool uh, it, it's the pop radio anthem she needs to position herself i get it it's catchy cool right right there's the weird the stuff you didn't expect that really shocked you and then there's like huh why did we do this um and there's some of that on, on here, too, for me. Um,
1: okay, what was a half for you?
0: So let me get, I'll, I'll, I'll go in the weeds, right? Okay. So, I love the song Keep Looking Up. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Feels like a late 80s Tom Petty song, right? Mm-hmm. I would love for her to, like, develop that sound. But Keep Looking Up is a better version of what doesn't kill me. These two songs are saying the exact same thing. And Keep Looking Up is better. So why do we need both of these? Why did I go from this song to this song about the exact same thing?
1: I I felt like because it's part of I felt like it's part of the story. So keep looking up was the song about her that was her dad's advice, right? Keep looking up. Right, right. So we moved from keep looking up to what doesn't kill me. So her dad gave her advice. And then she started to take that advice with what doesn't kill me and started moving forward.
0: Yeah. It just feels. But you're like- right.
1: They are. There's like overlap in the uh, yeah. the messages of each of the songs.
0: Yeah, I think you could have gone right from "Keep Looking Up" to "There Is a Light" and you're good to go. You're good. To go. I wouldn't. I
1: wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree
0: with you. So "There Is a Light" this is really good in that overwhelming warmth, right? The like '70s flute, almost like "Do the Hustle" vibes. It's- yeah. Song. It's kind of
1: disco-y. It's, it's great. Um, it reminds me so much of John Mayer. Like his... Uh, oh. He had a song on... He had a song on heavier things. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. It wasn't on heavier things. It was uh, 1980, 1992. I think it was on his his debut album. If Only My Life was more like 1980, 83, 1983. And so the point i make that point is because it's interesting because you can hear her influences like she, i don't want to say like she cribs from people but you can hear the people that she really enjoys listening to and and it, it kind of bleeds over into her music
0: absolutely yeah i i would, i want to talk to john mayer on camera too john <laughs> Don't do interviews ever again with anyone. <laughs> Back to uh, so uh <laughs> we're do- so yes, I she's like it's the there is a light is the kind of song that inspired uh, father of the bride, Vampire Weekend, right? Their story mm-hmm. was they went to a Casey Musgraves concert and they wanted that warmth, right? Mm-hmm. To provide- there is a light is her pocket of that, right? She can do that. Um, he, More in the huh category since we're exploring the huh category. Okay. I don't want any more songs that are called Angel. I just don't. <laughs> it's the most syrupy song on here. Pull you out of the darkness. Keep you out of the rain. Stop it. Uh, I'm not sure it fits here on this album, and I don't but I don't think it messes anything up. It's just, this might just be cuter, cuter than I ever want to be around. I mean, I, I I think the
1: angel set up the, I think it was intentional that sets up, sets up the knockout, the knockout blow with breadwinner. Right. Uh, Right. So I think you have to lead, you lead with angel. Uh, and then you build up like that energy, and then when Breadwinner hits, it hits a lot harder.
0: Right, the progression of the album, uh, being like a story or whatever, gets really weird sometimes. So, first of all, it, it, and I I don't know how you feel about this. I I am, I am not watching your movie made about your album. Not doing it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I have Paramount Plus. I am not watching the Casey Gruss Musgrave Starcross movie. Uh. The musicians, they're, make, they're making movies, but they're really just long music videos <laughs> Movies, believe it or not, are a different medium that you actually need to work within to be good at. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't disagree.
0: I'm not into. <laughs> it. I don't watch it. Uh, I don't care if Kanye does it. I don't care if you know Joe Schmo does it. I'm not going to watch it. Uh I don't believe in you to make a two-hour feature. <laughs> uh, so, it the story gets kind of weird for me on the album with Good Wife, right? Because I was like, is Good Wife sarcastic it's delivered in a very straightforward way but she feels like she's messing with us a little bit on gender roles but now you're saying in the part of the interview where like i guess this is like the early part of the story where she's thinking she has to be a good wife to him or whatever
1: yeah i think this is i think the first so the star star cross is obviously that's the setting that's setting up the the story you know what i mean she's like okay i'm telling you it. she's like narrate, like i'm gonna tell you a story
0: yeah good wife i right
1: i no. think good wife is the beginning of the story where she is beginning slash the beginning of the end as well uh so that's that's where she's she's turn, telling like the current state of their relationship like
0: and I, I think maybe instead of sarcasm or anything like that or satire, I think mm-hmm. there's a little foreshadowing going on on Good Wife, where she yeah, absolutely like I've got to make him feel like he's good enough because he's a putz.
1: Um, she, right. She's setting. I mean, she's setting it up very right. deliberately. Like, yes, you know, I, I'm trying so hard, but there are definitely cracks, and there's something not right here.
0: Yeah, so listening, re-listening to Good Wife isn't great. I don't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, the weird, I mean, and the weird is great, right? I, the weird is kind of what I come to Musgraves for. I yeah. don't like Golden Hour. I don't like, I, it was too pop. It was too clean and clear. It felt like I could have gotten that writing from other people. I love Musgraves' writing; it's really absolutely weird particular. And on this one, um, if this was a movie, is is that for me? Yeah, one of my favorite songs of the year. It's creepy, absolutely. And hushed. It doesn't sound like any major pop song. This is what Musgraves does that other people just don't even do. Uh,
1: absolutely, that was that was the standout. If this was a movie, it was a standout for me as well. Uh, it was just very, like you say, it was weird. It was like very cinematic. It was weird, like it was. It was a risk. Yep. And yep. she's the only. I feel like she's one of the few artists, mainstream artists, uh, that are really like taking risk, like like this.
0: Yeah. No. It's and I it was. I wrote on here. Uh, that simple times is kind of like her bridging the gap between golden hour and pageant material Mm -hmm. keeping her roots but sparkling things up for the audience Uh, the writing is still interesting and specific so i i like this album a lot more than golden hour i like uh i think she was able to grow in the space she you know uh, Golden Hour was her fitting into the pop space yeah this is her like stretching out
1: it wins. The yeah I mean it, this this album to me was it was a risk because I mean it's so all over the place and that's I mean but that's all i that's all I ask of any artist is to take chances take risks, you know try to try to do something different right up. And she I, I, that's why I really do have to applaud her because she really did take take a lot of risk risk with this album.
0: Yeah, 100 percent took risks, and uh, I appreciate it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Cherry Blossom to me is a good pop song, but it's indistinct. Um, this could be a Taylor Swift song, and I believe it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've already talked about the best song on here, right? Uh, Breadwinner is my favorite song, period. Um, yeah. She took her ex and made a diss to him that is the biggest, funnest pop song so that it will be everywhere he goes. This is the ultimate pop star revenge. Um, he wants a breadwinner. He wants your dinner until he ain't hungry anymore. He wants your shimmer to make him feel bigger until he starts feeling insecure. Oh, that is.
1: This was brutal.
0: <laughs> that is gold digger level burn.
1: This was brutal.
0: Yeah. Gold digger level burn. Because that was the thing, uh, Kanye called called them all gold diggers, and made it like the jam on the radio, you know. So it was, she took this and makes it the biggest jam on here, but it's the sharpest sword. Like she's cutting heads on that.
1: Yeah, it's it's brutal. I, I mean, I think of Taylor Swift. She had a song called "Dear John," uh, where yeah. she was talking about John Mayer. Uh, but this is a lot more brutal just for just based on the fact of what you said, like, it's a really good pop song. So, you know, if this guy, if this gets on the radio, if they push this as a single, you know, her, the, her no, you know, her ex husband's going to have to turn off the radio every time this comes on. You just avoid it at all.
0: Straight up. People are going to be dancing. Your neighbors are going to be dancing to this song. that's shitting on you.
1: And it's so, it's so brutal. I mean, it's so cut. It's, that's why I was saying, like
0: you know, they had the angel
1: as the setup, but this was breadwinner is so sharp, and yeah. yeah, she finds the right, like the perfect tone, like the perfect level of anger, but doesn't take it over the top. So it's like the peak, her the peak level of angerness, but at the same time, like restraint, and it just like cuts really. I mean, ugh, it's if I if I were her ex, I would not ever want to hear this song again.
0: Yeah, it's one of those like take a vacation for a long for a while. Yeah, until it dies down. Uh, yeah, it's it's to me that's like really the pointed aspect of this album. You get her dealing with the breakup, right? You get her. Giving you what she means, yeah. uh, dealing with her shit, um,
1: and 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 I think she set it up. And this is why I say that. I mean, I think she's a really great organizer because all of the songs beforehand were about um, things that she could have done better. Uh, I mean, yes, there were hints of good wife and good wife of things like cracks or you know peccadillos or flaws that he may have had, but. I think two through seven tracks, two through seven are her kind of grappling with the role that she's played in this relationship. Uh, and then, you know, track eight, Breadwinner, she just turns like that, like, wait a second, no, you, di- you did some shit too. Yeah. And so it just, hits, it just hits more, it just hits harder because it comes
0: almost out of nowhere, like, whoa. yep So what is your run? year on this album what is your favorite run um yeah
1: i i think i think starting with okay so my favorite song on the album was if this was a movie right but i think i think the run from breadwinner to camera roll easier said hookup scene and then keep looking up Oh, even we'll go with keep looking up that that four run you know that four run uh that four song run five if you count hookup scene hookup scene yeah oh i can't do math now sorry hook yeah that five that five uh song run it does a really great job of painting a picture like we get the whole we get the whole range of emotions regarding the breakup. And I, I mean, I think that that's a gift, like, is it's her gift as an organizer that she was able to, in five, five songs, create such a complete and compelling picture.
0: I was going to say the same deal, right? Uh, that, like, you, you Breadwinner kicks it off, right? That is like a, just a giant song and harsh. And then you go, the best sequencing on the album is going from breadwinner to camera roll. Camera roll, yeah. Camera roll is so sad. Yeah. Yeah, you get the triumph of being like, he ain't shit, but then you have to deal with the aftermath. The picture, you're telling your friends that it's not happening anymore. You know what I mean? You have to deal with your life. Yeah, and and it works. When, When you
1: go through a breakup like that, your emotions fluctuate very wildly. Like one second, you're sad you know, one second, you're very angry. And then, you know, the very next moment, you're reminiscing about about the times that you guys had. So it makes perfect sense why Camaro would be after, right after Breadwinner.
0: It's an incredible, that five song, Swath, is a real human experience. Yeah. Where you, you go from the rage, the triumphant righteous rage, to the sadness easier said hookup scene what was my my note on the hookup scene was just it was like <laughs> hookup scene is about a lot it only gives you a glancing look at how much pain is beneath iceberg theory hemingway style yeah hookup scene is a painful song
1: absolutely so,
0: and the more you listen to it the more you realize how fucking sad that is yeah um, but it's beautiful, and then to follow hookup scene, which is the lowest you go, with mm-hmm. keeping up, right? Yeah, uh, and that's it's it, yeah that chunk is really masterful. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean hookup hookup scene, like you said, it's very, it's very dark, it's very empty. You know what I mean? Like you could just hear the emptiness that you know she's experiencing. And it's almost like, you know, it's it's emptying, but it's also like she's looking back like, you know, did I make a mistake as well? So that kind of ties up with camera roll as well. Like, you know, the looking back aspect of, uh, you know, going through a breakup. Uh, And then, you know, that's why, you know, keep looking up. What doesn't kill me hits even harder after that low point of the hookup scene.
0: And I guess so. W- this is where I would like doing this has been really good for me because I came in thinking this is like a great album, but a messy album. And I don't think it's a messy album now. I think, no, I think the f- second half is better done than the first half. Mm-hmm. I think from eight on, we need those songs, most of them, right? Yeah. There's the, I, what doesn't kill me, I would, I would take that off. But other than that, that's that's solid i think that first half is really weird uh, in terms of ups and downs and telling that end of the story um, it's tricky because that side of the story she still has to have love for this dude who she doesn't anymore in the writing but she has to tease that it's going to end badly but it has to be pop songs
1: yeah, it's it's, it's exposition. She's yeah. setting, she's setting up the scene, and yep. I I think you obviously these songs were written after the breakup, so the first half of the songs are written looking, reflecting like in that moment. You're not. She's no longer in that moment, but she's got to reflect on it. The second half sounds like it was written while she was in that moment. So that's why it yeah. seems a little bit uh, fresher and sharper, I guess you could vivid.
0: say. Very vivid. Right? Yes, vivid, yes. Vivid. Yeah. Like in the first half, it feels like she's concocting the emotions, right? She's coming up with them. Um, mm-hmm. in, in the second half, she's living them. Um, so, you know, that, that's what happens. Honestly, it happens a lot when you're creating, Right. You, you start with something and you're really proud of it, and you're so proud of it, you keep going and you get better and you get better. No, and by the end of it, the beginning isn't even good anymore.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> because you, you've the standard was set at the beginning and it's gotten higher over the course of the album or book or story, whatever. Right and by the end. When you look at it as a whole, the beginning is now the weakest. Yeah, so you got to go back and tighten it up. It's it's that happens a lot. Uh, So like I said, no fault of Musgraves, this is just you know what happens. But it is it is an interesting pop album. It got me thinking. Okay, there's a there's a there's a cover song out there. There's a video of Harry Styles. Doing the Shania Twain song there. Uh, Which one? What was the hit Shania Twain song. Uh, You're still the one. Yes. Musgrave's doing still the one with Harry Styles.
1: <laughs> well, like a remake.
0: <laughs> they're just the yeah, they're just doing it together. They were just performing it on stage together. Oh, they were doing it together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and I told my wife, I said Musgraves is the only person that it makes sense for Harry Styles to do an album with. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You don't. You don't need like Harry Styles and a dude. You don't need Harry Styles and another pop dude like. No,
1: I I think that they're both on that same uh, wave, I'll I'll call it wave. They're both on the same wave of, you know, their writing. Their writing is very, um, what's the word I want to use? Chemical induced. So I think that they would be, I think they would be great together. No, I
0: mean, they're both of them have a very warm, comforting presence. Yes. Uh, Looseness to them them as well. A very left field writing style, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, They they tend to make the most popular music, but in ways that you aren't used to seeing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that, that album is what I would be interested in seeing. Styles and Musgraves.
1: Oh for sure I, I'm sure there's a tour. I, I could see them doing a tour together uh, yeah, but they're both I mean they're both they're I would say of, of the pop in the pop sphere sphere uh, they're they're two of the artists that are not afraid to take risk and I, I don't think Taylor Swift evermore was a risk. I don't think the whole folklore evermore. Uh, was a risk um but though these these two are casey and harry are able to take smart intelligent risk which makes it exciting
0: i was thinking about i was thinking about taylor a tiny bit in this sense i was like imagining a world where taylor hung out with casey <laughs> i like does not it- Taylor become the corny well-meaning friend right off the bat.
1: I mean, is she what is she now?
0: <laughs> I'm just saying like Casey Musgraves is very quick-witted.
1: Yeah, she's okay. Very,
0: like she's very blue, you know, she's she's got a very strange beat, right? If you watch interviews with her, she's very she's just charismatic right yeah um and taylor's a goof
1: i wouldn't say she's a goof per se i say she's a little bit more reserved and if you if you put her next to someone like casey where you're we're able to contrast them i think that's the point you're trying to make if you put them side by side and you're able to see the contrast right uh Taylor, the 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 qualities that Taylor's lacking become very apparent.
0: And it, this isn't me, like I'm not trying to shit on Taylor. I'm just saying, uh, because there's nothing wrong with being a goof. There's nothing wrong with being horny, <laughs> right? Like there's nothing wrong with any of that. Um, all I'm saying is if they formed a crew, Casey's the alpha of that crew.
1: Yeah, without a doubt.
0: That's just what it is. It it's the different. She's, she's different. So, um, but yeah, nothing against it. That's just how the crew forms in my mind. Yeah, I, I mean,
1: t- Taylor, is. she's just, she. she's like Drake where she's, right now she's a slave to her success uh, in a way that Casey has chosen not to be. Because Casey could have just done a continuation of Golden Hour up. and everyone would have loved it. She would have just kept on kept the train going, but she decided to really do something risky out of left field. Uh, and she can just, she just she just does things that Taylor, like Taylor, just like Drake, they can't take those risks. Right. Uh, because there's too much success building on it. So I think once Taylor gets uh, like musically smacked in the face or as in like fails, that's when we'll start seeing her loosen up a little bit and trying to do new things without having to worry about, you know, going platinum the first week or having the number one record.
0: Yup. Yup. I hear you. So moving to recommendation quarter, my official recommendation is going to be, and I need to dig more into this up. Really good first listen. Okay. Rye Rye World. By Mariah the Scientist.
1: Rye Rye World. Okay. This Mariah the Scientist.
0: Yeah, dude. That's a good one. Yeah. What's the
1: vibe of it? Like, that, that sounds It's an interesting it's really name.
0: High level, smart, well done R&B. Uh, f- two features on it. Young Thug and Little Baby. This is not a hmm. model. Um, sharp. This is good sharp stuff. You look at look up the album cover.
1: You'll be interested.
0: You'll be interested. Uh,
1: Mariah the
0: scientist. So while you're doing that, I will say, I am very <laughs> you liking it
1: yes that's that's very intriguing actually
0: yeah no it's it's a good record so I would fully endorse that I think it's 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 a really smart well crafted project and and whenever something's that well crafted in in the R&B genre you just need to pay attention to that person right mm-hmm. like, like this could be a thing um, she put her on the map she's there so very excited for what we have coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. FME Attention Undivided. I've got some crazy interviews lined up. Some critically important people. Uh, I am super excited to talk. to. Um, so I've got to do my research, get my stuff going. Make sure it's right because all these people are bringing bringing heat mm. um, in terms of their releases it's it's a lot uh, you know a lot of career defining work like one after another, you know uh, from important careers and being able to sit with them is going to be enormous uh, so like next three weeks in a row, put me on the map.
2: All right.
0: Yup. So that's I'm into that. The uh, yeah, I would say two two things to wrap it up. First, John Mayer, no more interviews ever. <laughs> ever. Second, do we want to trade Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving? Maybe. Think about it.